was slinging puns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing D&D. It was free for all, and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello, thank you Mr. TJ Drennan for that wonderful intro. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and this is Keep Off The Borderlands. Now, uh, for this episode, I'll just be answering some voicemails I received about the previous episode. Without further ado, here they are. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So I just listened to your, you know, latest episode. And what's interesting is if you read Swords and Wizardry Complete on leveling up, you'll find that technically you're supposed to roll all of your hit dice together. So there's a good chance you're not going to gain any hit points, especially if you're like a wizard. Though it doesn't do the whole 1d6 and then your next level is 1d6 plus 1. It's straight 1d4. But say, you know, if you're the, the wizard and you're hit, you just hit level 4, you got to roll 4d4. That doesn't mean you're going to have more hit points than what you were at level 3. And, um, and if that's the case, you don't gain any hit points. So you're level 4 with the same hit points you had at level 3. And I, I really like that idea. And I don't think many people actually use it. And I think that would be something interesting to use in modern games. Instead of, you know, you roll your one hit die and you add to what you just had, roll them all up. If you're a level 5 warrior and you just hit level 6, roll all 6 hit dice and see if you get more than what you had at level 5. And I think the rules in Swords and Wizardry Complete with your constitution bonus, I think that was plus 1 per hit die. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it was per hit die, but yeah, definitely um, roll them all, see what happens, and plus with that, you may not even um, get as many hit points, but if you hit that situation where you had no hit points, and the next time you level, you're going to have a huge jump from the same hit points from level 4, and you hit level 6, bam, there's going to be a lot more hit points, hopefully. That was Josh Beckelheimer there from JB Publishing. And thank you very much for those calls, Josh. If that tells me one thing, it's that I should really read Swords and Wizardry complete. I don't know if that uh, rule about the hit dice is particular to the complete version. But um, uh, yes, it's something I wasn't aware of. But thanks very much for that. I must investigate further. So as far as leveling up goes, I think it depends on the system. There are some games, like D&D, that are designed for the characters to level up. And for the characters to re... Unless you start them at a higher level, unless you design 10th level characters and start from there or something, nobody's going to want to play a first level character for, you know, an extended period of time. Probably. So, you know, in games like that, they're designed to level up. I think you're stuck with that. But... 
there are a lot of games out there that are designed not to do that, and they're levelless. So you have something like Barbarians of Lemuria. You know, you don't need to level up in that. Traveler, you don't need to level up in that, obviously, right? And um, a lot of superhero games don't. And when you talk about the popularity or notoriety of a character or the karma of a character, you know, that plays into a lot of superhero games. So I think those games are out there. You just have to look. That was Jason there of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And if you're thinking, that's strange, Jason didn't introduce himself at the beginning of that message, that's because that's the second part of a message that's inspiring my next episode. So I'm going to leave that until then before I share it with you. But on the subject of levelling up, yes. Um, yeah, obviously games like D&D certainly lend themselves to that. But when it comes to games where you don't level up, you say, obviously, Traveller. Now, I wasn't aware that Traveller was a game where you didn't level up. Um, and that is a rule set that Shay Webster is currently exploring over on Roleplay Rescue. And I've been really enjoying his kind of deep dive into that. All right, Spencer. This is multiple takes, trying to get a response to your, to your question and your, your, your theorising on level and experience. I had this idea that you you kind of perhaps could make this a little bit more player-facing. Ask the players what it is they want to achieve. What is their end goal? Or, or perhaps it doesn't need to be their end goal, but what is their next goal? Then work out some sort of incremental steps towards it and then as they achieve each of those steps, they they get some sort of reward. You could perhaps even, like, I don't know, work that out with the player. Um, it just strikes me that there's some sort of potential there. I don't know how you'd do it. Colin Green there from the Spike Pit podcast with an interesting suggestion. Now, in the addendum of Electric Bastion Land, there is a section on what Chris refers to as foreground growth. I'm just going to uh, read out a bit of it. Foreground growth can be broken down into three principles. Your character grows more interesting, not necessarily more powerful. Every piece of growth is tied to a specific experience and there are growth opportunities everywhere. Scars and oddities are easy to throw in there, but having a character's adventures directly affect their growth is more tricky. Think of character change as growth rather than advancement. You're becoming more distinct, more interesting, and getting more options as you progress rather than becoming more numerically powerful. Advancement can be carefully planned and is usually positive, but growth is messy and you don't always know what you're going to get. Advancement is a five-year plan, but growth is a turbulent childhood. And we all want to repeat that, right? These changes happen in the foreground of the game, most often the time spent on expeditions or getting crazy in Bastion. 
You don't grow during your downtime. You grow while you're scrabbling around in some hole, half dead. Your changes are significant and they happen in-game, not as an after-effect of finishing the night's fun. As a general rule, if I describe some of the ways your character has grown since their creation, brackets, more HP, scars, oddities, close brackets, you should be able to tell me the specific event that caused that change. Not just see the change as a general reward for your actions. You didn't learn to rip out hearts when you hit level 8 in Ripper Monk. You learned it when a Ripper Monk nearly ripped out your heart, but you just managed to pull out your gun in time. Now I know that doesn't exactly echo what you were saying, Colin. In fact, it kind of flips what you're saying on its head. But it struck me as a particularly interesting approach. And I feel that it also suggests how you might go about implementing what you proposed. But I very much feel that you are planting me firmly in the GM seat. And I think you've got a little bit more to say about that. Now, you know what's going to happen, Spence? If you keep bigging up Electric Bastion Land you're going to get an increasing amount of demands from the community for you to run it. So what you need to do is next next time you're thinking about podcasting it, you need to explain how busy you are and how little time you've actually got to run or maybe even play games or or anything. You, you, you just got to explain how busy you are and how tied up you are and how chock-a-block your schedule is because i tell you people are going to want to play into the odd and electric bastion land if you if you keep tempting them you know and and you and you know who it's going to be yeah it's going to be our old buddy yeah (laughs) (laughs) now colin has clearly started his birthday celebrations early there either that or he's auditioning for yet another upcoming film about the Joker. But either way, it does give me the opportunity to talk about something other than gaming that I've been involved in, something I've not mentioned for quite some time, uh, simply because it was one of those things that um, took a long time to get off the ground, nothing happened for a long time, and then suddenly it's all systems go. And this was the community cinema project which i believe i only mentioned in passing if at all but i'm very excited about the fact that we now have a digital projector and a screening place and some tiered seating in the local ymca in the high street all we've yet to do is soundproof the room and um hopefully this time next month We'll be showing movies to the locals, so that's something I'm very pleased about. Essentially, me and my wife and a couple of friends were discussing the possibility of setting up a community cinema, and we were looking at possible venues for doing this. We were able to run some test screenings in the YMCA simply by borrowing a digital projector and projecting directly onto the wall of one of their rooms. 
they subsequently were looking at getting funding in order to improve the state of the building and um, they really loved our idea of community cinema and essentially picked it up and ran with it. So I couldn't be more pleased with how that has turned out. So hopefully I've successfully thrown you off the scent of me possibly running a game anytime in the near future. Or perhaps not. Hey Spencer, this is Jason. I know I give you a hard time about, you know, when are you going to run a game, but there really isn't anything wrong with just being a player either. I think you have a lot of creative ideas. I think you would be a great GM, but, you know, if you only ever played, that's not a bad thing. You're still engaging, you're still doing something you love. So, you know, when the time's right and when you're ready, you're going to do it. And when you tip your toe in the waters, you know, there are plenty of us out here that are going to be supportive of you. You know, we're willing to play in your initial game, and we're not going to give you a hard time. So, you know, we'll, we'll make it an easy transition. But but definitely don't feel you have to do that. Um, although I'm waffling back and forth here, right, because I, I do think the creator in you is, is trying to burst out. But either way, do what you're comfortable with. Okay, a minute wasn't quite enough, but you know what I'm saying. I say do what you're comfortable with, but, you know, that first game that you run, you're going to be out of your comfort zone, and it's going to be a stretch. But again, if you get people you know in the game as your players, I think it'll be fine, and and I think you'll find you enjoy it. But, you know, again, there's no pressure, really. So I, I will stop giving you a hard time over that. Um because I'm not trying to stress you out at all. And I, and I always enjoy playing with you and interacting with you. So we'll talk to you later. Hey, Spencer. It's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Oh, man. Electric Bastion Land sounds awesome. And just so you know, if you ever run that game, I will do all in my power to play in it. I am finally doing a little bit of that. My schedule is kind of crazy, but... I am really enjoying the Weird West game that I'm playing that TJ ran the first session and Cody's about to start running. So if you ever run that, you let me know and I will do all that I can to be there for you, man, because that sounds awesome. Well, first up there was Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, followed by a message from Liren of updates from the middle of nowhere. And uh, yeah, I've got to say, I really, really appreciate those messages. And Jason, please don't feel that you're in any way pressuring me. Any pressure there is will be coming from myself. And don't forget, you're the guy that got me playing online in the first place. So, you know, it's your encouragement that has got me to where I am. So don't hold back there. Also, thank you for your eagerness, Liren, uh, in wanting to play in a game that I run. And also, I know I've had support from everyone that I've spoken about it to, and I've really got the pick of some very supportive potential players. But um, yeah, back to Colin's message. I guess now it comes down to finding the time 
to kind of be able to prepare something. So I'm not in any rush there, but I really, really do appreciate the support of the community. Thank you very much. Now, I think I've got a few more messages on the subject of PDFs. Spencer, Conrad Kinch of Century and Fourpence here. Um, I don't know, I, I kind of think the plan of playing every game that you own seems kind of mad, frankly. Um, uh, I mean, firstly, who would ever have the time? And secondly, I suppose just because you buy a game doesn't mean that you want to play it. I mean, there's a, th- there are a lot of games out there and some of them are worth reading and some of them aren't. And what about all the bad ones? Um, uh, you know, um, that, like... I suppose to me it would make more sense to sort of have a look at a lot of games, find the ones that really appeal to you and just play those a lot. Maybe lots of games played, but of a small number of systems would seem to be a more sensible way of approaching things to me. But, you know, horses for courses. Anyway, keep up the good work. Bye-bye. First time call in there, I think, from uh, Codrad Kinch of the wonderfully titled Send three and fourpence podcast. Um, yes, I've got to say I'm completely in agreement with you there, Conrad. There are certainly plenty of games that I've got that I have got no interest in playing whatsoever. Unfortunately, you don't know that until you buy them and have a good read through them. Also, I have to say there are far more PDFs which I haven't even read yet. I've got more games than I know what to do with, which, as Liren pointed out on the last episode, it's not a bad position to be in. And there's also, I think, a lot to be learned from reading bad rules, I think, can be just as informative as discovering games that you do want to play. And I guess what I would have to do is come up with some kind of to-do list to really narrow that down. I mean, certainly, I think must-plays would include things like old-school essentials, swords and wizardry, knave, or or the lonely adventurous hack, glaive, certainly appeals to me. I'd love to give Troika a try, or maybe just some straight-up fighting fantasy when Dave Aldridge's one-sheet rules materialize then there's alien which i have a physical copy of and and yeah would certainly love to play mothership maybe some more gonzo sort of space opera stuff like um star dogs there's the barbarians of the ruined earth that i backed or any kind of post-apocalyptic madness would be great fun I've certainly been enjoying Altered State, the the kind of post-cyberpunk ICRPG game, which for me has a real kind of uh, Judge Dreddy sort of feel to it. And then I most certainly want to get some Cthulhu under my belt. And um, thanks to an offer from Andy Goodman of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, I should be able to join his game at some point in the near future, whether that's Call of Cthulhu or Pulp Cthulhu. And then, of course, 
we come back to Electric Bastion Land. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. Uh, so I meant to actually send you this message yesterday, but I don't know if you've heard of the game The Blackest of Deaths. It's by Bloat Games, but the PDF is available on drive-thru, and I know you're an avid PDF collector, such as I, but um, in that game, there is no leveling up. You just make your character, and that's it. I think the point of that game is to have a real-life person kind of thing surviving in this terrible, terrible dark world. Now, that doesn't mean you don't gain abilities and powers through, you know, magical means and fighting equipment. But really, the purpose is is to have fun with that character and really to see how long you can last. Because it's not an it's not a easy game. It's very deadly, but it's a cool little system and it's pretty easy to run from just reading it. Another message from Josh Beckelheimer there. Now, no sooner have I reduced the number of PDFs that I want to play than Josh throws another one into the mix. And surprise, surprise, there happened to be a 50% off voucher sitting in my inbox for that game. So, needless to say, I went and snapped it up. <laughs> I don't know whether to thank you for that or not, Josh. <laughs> but, um, uh, yes, give, given that the voucher was sitting there, I probably would have purchased it anyway, as it does kind of present an, an aesthetic that appeals to me, much like Morkborg, which I also picked up. <laughs> so, um, one step forward... Two steps back. But there you go. Hi Spencer, just a quick voice message to say thanks for backing the Facefolio. Much appreciated and uh, um, look forward to sending that to you. Cheers, fellow. Bye. Goblin's henchman there. Uh, thanking me for backing his Zine Quest 2 Kickstarter, which unfortunately I think may have finished by the time this episode goes out. So apologies for that, Goblin's Henchman. But by the looks of it, that has been a real success and I'm certainly looking forward to its arrival. So uh, thank you very much for putting together such a great product. Well, that's it for this episode. This has been Keep Off the Borderlands. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Thank you for all your messages. And if you do want to leave me a message, you can contact me by clicking on the anchor link in the episode description. You can also contact me via email at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. You'll also find a link to TJ Drennan's Patreon which is where I get all the great music from and it just remains for me to say take it away TJ
Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.